Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. And welcome to the BPD Bunch. We have a panel of people who are in functional recovery from borderline personality disorder. And each week, a few of us get together to discuss the ups and downs of our BPD journeys to give you hope and direction for your own. I'm your host, Zanny, And today I am here with Georgette, Lore, Andrea, and a special guest, Lisa, who is a conscious parenting coach and content creator with BPD. So where in the world is everyone coming from today? I am coming from New Jersey. I'm from California. I'm in Massachusetts. I'm from San Antonio, Texas. Today I'm very excited because we are going to be talking about parenting with BPD. Can we go around and have everyone share a little bit about your personal journey as a parent with BPD and how it has influenced your approach to parenting? I am a new parent. I have a baby girl who's three months old. Parenting is already such an incredible adventure with a lot of ups and downs. It's a big deal because this little person depends on you pretty much 100%. So obviously you want to be the best possible parent out there. And as we know, that's not quite possible all the time. But um, I think navigating it with BPD is just making me really aware of my emotions, of uh, taking breaks. I don't have much to say yet since it, you know, I only have a little tiny baby, but that's where I am at at the moment. I have a 24 year old daughter. I did not learn any form of I guess what BPD therapy, the DBT skills, probably until my mid thirties. So I had her when I was 16. So she didn't have me as a young child in recovery at all. Learning the skills even later in life was still incredibly beneficial for our relationship. So that's kind of where we're at at this point, but she's, she's definitely had a lot of experiences. I could say that. I have four children. At the moment, they're 14, 10, 8, and 6. Um, I was diagnosed with BPD after a major mental health breakdown um, when my three years ago, so when my oldest was 11. So um, my children have all been raised to varying degrees with a mother who had BPD, but it was unrecognized and undiagnosed. So they have had a lot of experience with the negative aspects of BPD. But after my breakdown, I engaged immediately in therapy and have been going through DBT and recovering from that. And I found that um, I'm able to be a better parent now that I am treated. And I think that's the key when we talk about BPD and parenting. Is it somebody who recognizes that they have it and is doing something about it? 
because I think that we have the ability to be very good parents if we are taking care of ourselves. For me, my boys are now four and 10 and I'm pretty newly diagnosed. I was diagnosed in 2021. I had already started by the time the pandemic hit implementing some conscious parenting and gentle parenting into our household. So I was already aware that, uh, becoming aware that it was harmful to be so angry and reactive with your children. And so I then went back to therapy and that's when um, I was diagnosed. And because I had already started doing the things, like learning the things to do when I felt like I was gonna be reactive. So I wouldn't say that the diagnosis really changed a whole lot, but it did give me some perspective. And I worked, I guess, even harder to really under, you know, really work on not being reactive when I feel reactive and knowing in what steps or what accommodations I need to make for myself so that I did not take out whatever I was feeling internally on my kids. What is sort of a general overview of conscious parenting? I think it's just the belief that children can be parented without being degraded. So without being yelled at, spanked, punished, threatened, shamed. And once you accept that you're not going to do those things in your parenting and that they are harmful to your kids, you start trying to explore other ways to kind of handle things when your children are behaving like kids. <laughs> it also asks of the parent to have some degree of understanding of child brain development. And so it's helped. This is this part has been really helpful for me to not take their behavior personally. Like for me, I automatically feel defensive and I want to do something to then sort of protect myself from this person who's making me feel defensive. And even though it's my child, it's kind of, it's wild. But so understanding that their behavior is not a personal slight and is not some sort of intentional thing um, is also sort of a part of it. And so you then employ, you know, I guess not necessarily strategies with your kids, but more with yourself in regulating um, your emotions. So, you know, we do grounding, meditation, affirmations, all of that, you know, journaling um, to help kind of keep the reactivity at bay. So it's just not spanking, hitting, yelling, punishing, threatening, um, being mindful, not taking their behavior personally. That's sort of what it is. I really love that description. I identified with so many things you said and I, what you said about taking things personally, that's a big one. Mm -hmm. um, the reactivity, I think I'm prone to react instead of respond. I take things personally and I'm an emotionally sensitive person. So when one of them is upset, I take on that upset. I start feeling really anxious. I start feeling really uncomfortable. I want to fix it. And it, it doesn't allow them to have their emotions. To make myself feel better, I want them to feel better and I'm not allowing them the time and space that they might need to calm down. So yeah. I've been really working on trying to validate their feelings, um, give them the time and space, but also give myself the time and space and this positive self-talk to say like, this isn't about me. This is something they're feeling. They are allowed to have this emotion and they don't need to fix their emotion to fix my emotions. I need to fix myself 
and allow them that space. So yeah. I love that. I love that I wasn't alone in that experience. No, not at all. <laughs> on sometimes, sometimes when they're upset, I can, you know, I can be empathetic and not really take it on or what have you. But if it goes on for an extended period of time, that's when I become angry with these feelings. <laughs> like, um, and that's why I need to kind of pull it back together and sometimes take a few minutes, go outside, breathe, do some EFT tapping. And it's literally just tapping on your body to help regulate you and then come back down mm. to be able to repair. If in the midst of being angry, I said or did something harmful. I've been really stuck in a good way on don't take behavior personally. What I've come to notice, Deviana also knows to not take other people's uh, behaviors personally. She's able to kind of understand like, oh, well, you know, my boyfriend's upset. Like, I'm just going to give him space, like, you know, things like that. So it's like when you start to show them that you're going to do the same thing for them, they actually do take over and start showing it for other people as well. And it's like, it's all unconscious because I never knew like, this is what I'm doing. Right. You know, it was just something that I started doing. Cause it's just like, why are you mad at me? And it's like, it's got nothing to do with you, mom. Oh my God. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> it, it's me. Listen. You know, and <laughs> so true. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's really nice to see her be able to do the same as well to others. That's, that's amazing. I feel like a lot of the younger generation, like the emotional intelligence they have is like so beautiful <laughs> to see. To be able to do that, it's such a feat just because for, for me, and I would venture to guess for some of you here, a shift in the wind will make me be like, okay, what'd I do? You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what happened? Yes. I will also say certain affirmations, which I am not, I don't love. I, I, affirmations work, but they're incredibly hard for me and I don't know whoever else. I'm sure it's hard for everybody, but they're incredibly hard because I feel like I'm lying to myself by saying all these positive things to myself. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely relate to the, the affirmations thing. I'm always like, oh, this is so cringy. So um, one of those powerful things I learned about affirmations was to change it to what if. So I did what if affirmations because I was, I was lying to myself when I was saying affirmations to myself. So I found um, that saying what if, what if I'm a, an okay parent? What if I'm a kind person? What if, and the more you say the what ifs, it's not as challenging to this negative self-talk you have, but it plants a seed and it gives you that grace. So if anybody else struggles with that, I'd like to put that out there because it was a really powerful way for me to start feeling like affirmations were effective instead of arguing with myself in my head about like, well, this isn't true. This isn't true. So yeah. just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah, that's yeah. a good idea. That's really good advice for affirmations. Can you describe a specific situation where your emotions and BPD symptoms made parenting difficult and how did you handle it? Recently, I had my 10-year-old was very, very mad at me, like furious mad, sending me very mean text messages, hanging up on me, just this amount of anger. And I, I took it super personally why does she hate me? It's because I'm a bad parent. But I was able to reach a point where I stepped back and I thought, you know what? My children have been through a lot. 
Their father and I got divorced. It's been a very contentious divorce. They have dealt with so much that, that this is not anger at me and it's not anger about not going to a nail salon or buying shoes. This is anger from all of the trauma that she's experienced. And that really helped me step back and say, you know what? She needs to feel this anger. Like she needs to get it out. I can just validate her. I'm not going to fix it. I, I can't fix it today. So I allowed her to have those emotions. And the next time we saw each other, I said, well, I can't take you to the nail salon, but I, I have everything here to be a nail salon. I have a gel nail kit. I have the UV lamp. I have the finger soakers, everything. And I said, you know, I'll do your nails. She was still angry. This kid is like a bulldog. <laughs> she had had her jaws locked on that anger. And I could feel myself again, it rising in me, this helpless feeling, this shame, this guilt. So I was so proud of myself. I stepped away. I physically left the space. I went upstairs. I gave myself some positive self-talk and I was like, you know what? This can keep going and we can have a day of anger and resentment and fighting or I can choose to operate as if I am like an island and I don't need to take on everything else. So I got, I made a plan. I got my headphones out and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do her nails and allow her that space, but I'm going to put my headphones on and listen to my playlist that I find soothing and I'll just play nail salon. So I came back downstairs. I said, okay, welcome to mommy's nail salon. I'm mommy. I'm here to do your nails. Um, I am going to have my headphones in right now so that I can listen to some music without disturbing you. So if you don't mind just putting your nails in the warm water here. And I started playing as if we were in a nail salon and just, it was a palpable shift in energy and just it, she, she started playing along and the anger was gone. I think I'd given her enough time and enough space to express it. And I was no longer reflecting it back to her. So I have been so proud of oh, myself. I'm super proud of you too. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mommy's nail salon. I was like, you know, there's a lot of times when you have BPD that you feel like there's a lot of parenting fails, or at least I do. And so carrying that parenting win has just it like reinvigorated me there's so much that can come from just giving yourself that time to like mm -hmm. calm down even if it's 10 seconds there is something to be said how like you can like if your mind is in a, a calmer state you're able to come up with solutions mm -hmm. to the problem that don't that aren't harmful but when you're in a dysregulated state, forget it. So I think that's amazing that you were able to do that. Thanks. I actually wanted to know what other people did to, because sometimes I feel trapped. I feel like I'm trapped. I, I have to deal with these kids. I can't go and do this. So I'm curious to see if any of you guys have figured out something or a way to give yourself that time and space when you feel like you, you it's hard to take. Well, because Deviana is older, I just tell her, hey, I'm having a moment. I'm going to go to my room. And maybe me and Deviana will be having like a really good time. You know, she's 
chatty Kathy when she's excited. She's, you know, she talks really fast and sometimes it can be overwhelming for me. But, you know, I just, I'm like, that's just how she is. I'm okay. She's excited. She had coffee. You know, it's just like all, all just different things that make her really <laughs> hyper or whatever. And, um, yeah, there have been some times where I'll be like, I, I need to go to my room or I'll be like, Hey, can you, can you just like, just slow down for a second when it's all said and done, whether I just maybe needed a few moments or maybe I was going through something that triggered me, I have to come back and I'll just be like, I feel really bad that I just kind of paused what we were doing, you know, and like, and she's like, no, it's okay. It's fine. You know, but I think with her and I, um, for quite some time, I was just able to just tell her. So it's a lot easier when you can just say that. I do three things and I've always done these three things and they they work pretty well. One is if I'm able to, I always go outside and I look at any tree or any moving leaf, especially if there's wind, it's better. And just take some deep breaths and just kind of let the wind just kind of take it away. Um, something that my grandma actually taught me that I still do is that I pick up any rock. It doesn't have to be a crystal or anything. It could be any rock. And you hold it on your in your power hand or whatever hand you like better. And then you just kind of imagine that all of those emotions are just going into that rock. And my grandma always said it's going to get recycled anyway, or you can um, dig a little hole in the dirt and, you know, the dirt will recycle it or something. But you feel like you're putting it somewhere. And then the third is uh, writing. I've always wrote poetry. So any anger, anything kind of goes out on the letters on the piece of paper and it just stays there. So that's usually the three things I'll always try to do. I love that. I mean, essentially it's grounding. It's a, it's a type of grounding. And I, I do, I also do the go outside and look at, um, moving leaves. I didn't even think that was like a thing, but I do do it. Um, and also for me, I have like a strong attachment for moving water. So we have a pond that's like five minutes from my house. Obviously, if you can't, you know, that's not possible or feasible for everyone, but um, moving water for whatever reason, even when I'm meditating, I meditate to the sound of water. So that's another one that I do is go out. Even if I'm not emotionally dysregulated, I'll do it even if I'm just in a good mood and just to like keep that good mood going. Georgette shared a really great example just now of parenting wins. And as we all know, Sometimes things don't work out that way and you still have to find a way to repair after some of those slip ups. So does anyone have a story that they want to share about what you do when you've had a slip up? There was a, a lot of apologizing because I raised her not in recovery. A lot of it was like just the guilt, you know, for how I behaved, whether it was towards her or just something that she saw with me. One of the stories that I had brought up was that I had felt so terrible about a situation that I actually showed up at her work. I went up to her and I was just like, I'm, I'm really sorry about yesterday. Like I feel so bad. And she was like, it's okay. And you know, it was fine. This was all like whenever she was a teenager, I think when she turned 20 or 21, she was in Germany and, uh, when she came back, there was a lot of changed behavior and I didn't know what was going on. What I ended up figuring out was that she was starting counseling. And so all this stuff started coming, 
you know, to where I was like, I thought we were okay, but I said, I was sorry for this. And I thought we talked about this and, you know, she made it very clear to me as best as she could. It was still very painful, but she made it very clear to me. There was a lot of damage that's been done. You know, like, I love you. You're my mom. You know, you're doing better. And she'd always like, let me know we're good, but I've got some things I've got to work on. And so that was like a punch in the gut. And and one thing that she's reminded me of is just because you've said you're sorry doesn't mean it didn't affect me. So Mm. don't put your guilt and your shame onto me because you still feel bad. And it sounds really brutal, but when it's coming out of her voice, it doesn't sound so bad, (laughs) you know? So um, I think I was actually in the middle of an episode when she said that. And I want to say that that really shut down the episode. And I was kind of like... Okay, um, I'll let you go. You know, she's like, no. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's in, it's intense. But that's with me not being in recovery the entire time of her childhood. There are no guarantees with anything, right? So not to negate anything you're saying, but there's no guarantees with anything. Like, I think, you know, as much as I'm a conscious parent and I try and I, you know, I do this or that, I could certainly inadvertently cause harm to my child that I won't find out about until they're 20 and they're in therapy or what have you. So I think that's the story of a lot of parents who don't have BPD, who still have that being what's happened. Um, I think the biggest thing about apologizing is, is so that the child knows it's not them. Because if there is no apology you internalize it and you accept it as being okay, normal. This is what people do. Um, you know, so I think I don't apologize to absolve myself of having harmed my child. I do it so that my child knows that this behavior is unacceptable, that they should not do it, and that they that the behavior that I exhibited is in no way a reflection of them. And so they know how to separate themselves from my behavior. So that's really my purpose of doing it. And there's nothing else I can do at that point. Like obviously work on myself and I'm pop, but it is, you know, we're human. I really like everything that you said. I think I missed out on that part because I was a baby raising a baby. You know, I didn't have a a backbone to like look at either. All I knew was what I wasn't going to do because of how my mom treated me. And I was like, oh, I'm just not going to do that. I at least know that. But I never had anything else to kind of go off of other than just, you know, being a decent human being to teach that to myself and then to apologize for those reasons. So I could openly admit that maybe some of the times I apologize were for selfish reasons. You know, maybe they weren't even genuine. I just felt bad that she saw it, but I didn't think about what it did to her. I didn't think about any of that till later. So, like, I, if anything, I learned more about parenting, like, in her later years. No, and, and I, I think, Lisa, you said it super well. There is a part in Metaphysics by Aristotle where Aristotle says that apologies are the regulation of morality. And that really is what it is, right? Like, sometimes we do use it to absolve ourselves or we our intention is to absolve ourselves. But for the most part, is teaching whoever you're apologizing the regulation of morality. So that's really well said. I really like the way you said that. My therapist said something that helped me feel a little bit better. She said, Georgette, many times it's not what you've done. It's the apology that counts. Like, and not just saying sorry to say sorry, but to 
acknowledge the hurt you caused, acknowledge that your behavior was wrong and caused hurt, take ownership of that and say, I am sorry for that. I am going to do better. And that's helped me stop being so darn hard on myself. Cause I feel like when you're really hard on yourself, you're it's that, it's that shame spiral. It's the negative self-talk. You're going to get so caught up in beating yourself up that you're not able to move on in any productive way. So I think apology, the power of apology is, is really there. And I'm glad that we were able to talk about the different aspects of that, you know, owning, owning your own behavior, teaching your children that that type of behavior is not okay. Has anybody ever felt like, like you just, the guilt is just so strong. You just can't stop apologizing. Like, I think I went through a period with that with Deviana where it was like, it was about two years worth of feeling guilt and shame for a behavior that I had done. So it was constant apologizing, you know, so much so to where she was like, Hey, I'm not mad at you. Please forgive yourself. She, she was just like letting me know, like, it's going to be fine. We're okay. You've got to forgive yourself. I was just curious, I guess, if anybody's ever felt that extreme where it's just like, it just doesn't lift. It felt like I was like wearing like the shame and guilt suit. If I was a superhero, be like Mm -hmm. super zero. (laughs) Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. I'm picturing a shame and guilt suit now. Like, I don't know what it would look like, but it's heavy. It's definitely black and gray in there for sure. Yeah, I wanted to, I want to empathize with you. And I want to tell you that, yes, definitely. I will be the first person to say that my unchecked and undiagnosed BPD hurt my children in so many ways that I am still wearing that shame suit and still trying to absolve myself a little bit because you have to kind of forgive yourself in order to move on. But I mean, I have not had a conversation like that with any of my children. You know, we are still in that period of like, I carry that around and it's a terrible feeling. It really is. And I, I can't, you know, the years and years that you carried that, I can I can only imagine. And I feel like just sharing with you that I, I feel like in a lot of ways I'm in that space now. I'm in the period where I'm working to take responsibility to be able to apologize and make amends without further going down into the shame and guilt because that also isn't good either you know, so you are definitely, you're not alone at all. It's tough stuff. So Lisa, could you share some of your insights on how you create a nurturing environment for your kids while also managing your mental health, just sort of painting a picture? (laughs) 
Well, one, we have like a calm down corner, which I'm still decorating. So that is like, they have a space. They recognize that there's a space they can go when they feel like they need to calm down or take a deep breath. I do do EFT tapping with my older son. And so that mm. has helped as well. When he was in camp this summer and I went to pick him up, um, he started to have a meltdown at camp and the counselor went to sort of assist him and she didn't need to because he was taking deep breaths and she asked him, where did he learn that? And he said, my mom. <laughs> and she told me when I went to pick him up. So I think by one modeling that you need to take a deep breath, you need to calm down, give them a space and that feelings are okay. Yes, I get annoyed at their feelings, but that's something for me to deal with. And, and you know, how somebody feels is what they feel. There's no reason to, for me to shame them for their feelings. And so I, I make a point to not, you know, have an opinion about their feelings and, and really allow them to have their feelings as long as the ways in which they're expressing their feelings aren't harmful to themselves or anybody else. Like that's to me the part that matters really. Like you feel what you feel, but as long as you're not disrespecting anyone, hurting anyone, hurting yourself, then it's fine, you know, you work through it. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like I should have a calm down space. Like everyone <laughs> should just have one in their house. That's really smart. Do any of you have resources or tools that have been helpful to you as a parent with BPD that you would want to share with our audience? I will say one thing. I think so far my resource is going to be Lisa. Oh, so yeah. I know I'm going to be going. I know I know where I'm going. I got you, girl. I don't have any resources that are specifically tied to BPD. I try not to really think of myself in terms of whatever disorders I have going on, but more in terms of just like somebody who has, who, you know, I, I am moody or I'm more sensitive and I am reactive. And so I look for resources to help with that sort of behavior. And honestly, I have to say one of the most helpful books, and it's not about managing my own emotions or anything like that. It was The Whole Brain Child because that book is a book that just sort of teaches you a little bit about child brain development and what to expect when. It was helpful to me in that I, it taught me that it was not personal. Like these things, like kids not listening when auditory processing isn't developed and fully developed until in a neurotypical child until they're 14 or 15 years old. And so, yes, you will have to repeat yourself. Yes, you will have to help them because they cannot process what you're telling them auditorily until a certain age. So stuff like that has really helped me to sort of scale back and not be as reactive. Um, because otherwise, I, again, as we talked about earlier, I take it personally. And then when I take it personally, it's time to fight. So. So I worked as a postpartum nurse for 12 years. So that's, you know, mother, baby, little newborns. And the parents would all, a lot would say like, I wish these babies came with an instruction manual. And through an organization that I'm involved with that is a breastfeeding support group. And there was a session um, that featured a book that's called Systematic Training for Effective Parenting. So the acronym is STEP. And after I discovered that, I would actually tell the parents at work that no, babies don't come with an instruction manual because as hard as a baby seems, this is the easy part. <laughs> you know, you feed, diaper, cuddle, sleep. That's the baby's instruction manual. 
but for children is when you really need the instruction manual. And I started telling people about this because it is the only instruction manual for children that I have ever found. It's kind of like DBT. I identified and really liked DBT as a therapy because it gave you tasks. It told you or told me, do this. If this happens, do this. And what I like about the step is that it it does that for parenting like take these steps do these things if this happens try this and i i do very well with instruction books so i want to share that because i felt that was the probably the best parenting book i've ever read there's an app called the bump and i really liked it because it doesn't only track you know of course it does the tracking that everyone wants to see but it also expands on cognition, health, different parts and milestones of the baby as well when they're born. And I think it's really easy to just the lifestyle that we have now on your phone, the app, it tells you, hey, your baby's this old and this is everything that could be happening, um, you know, mentally, physically, everything. So I thought that was really good. And that's the bump. Yeah, I do feel like there are quite a few resources, though. Like if you Google there are resources to um, with almost anything. If you want to learn to do better and how to do better, the read the information. There's so many things out there. Yeah, I think it's just important to be discerning, right? Like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, like there's a lot of information out there, and you know, if some of the things you read sound crazy, <laughs> yeah, bananas, yes. yeah. you know, maybe get another opinion before you try to put something into action. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I always yeah. look at who the authors are and like what their background is in, you know, other things that they may have read and read the reviews, things like that is always helpful. And be intuitive too. Obviously, you're the parent, you know, you yeah. know, be intuitive. If yes. it says dunk your kid in water, probably don't, you know, so just kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah. intuitive. What advice would you give to other parents with BPD who may be feeling overwhelmed or doubting their ability to parent effectively? Well, I think if you're a parent with BPD who recognizes they have BPD, you're light years ahead already. Because when I think back to my parenting, if I had known that I had a problem and there was something I could do about it, I would have done it. So I think that if you're somebody who you're watching this because you suspect you have BPD or you've been told you have BPD or you have the features of that, that awareness will allows you to then act on it and taking care of yourself first in the way that you need to be taken care of will allow you to parent more effectively. I would say first thing is you can do this. You know, when you feel overwhelmed, you want someone to tell you you can do it, but it's true. You can do this. It's going to be okay. It's just moments, right? And those moments need to be, they pass, right? But it is important to find the resources. Like Georgette said, also um, understand if you do have an issue, then you can go ahead and try to find a support system, find the resources, know that it's just a moment, it will pass and find ways where you can regulate your emotions. So I think most important thing is just feel confident that you can do it and anything that is going on will pass. I think my advice would be like, if you are told you have BPD or you get this diagnosis rather, then it's important that you now do your research, look into what it is, understand what it is and how it's impacted your life and start taking the steps to work through it and start recovery. And if you have it and they tell you, then go ahead and start doing the work. Like you owe it to yourself, 
you owe to your child. And, you know, if you can afford therapy, mm-hmm. try therapy. But you're not alone. There are support groups. There are plenty of people, hey, us, who have it and are functioning and, uh, you know, are raising or have raised our kids. So it's not impossible. It can be done. Is it going to be easy? No, but... You know, there's like this song that I call the BPD anthem that I play whenever I'm like going through it. And it's, you're going to think it's like funny, I guess, because it's actually Miley Cyrus's little sister's song, um, Noah Cyrus. The song is called Sadness. And one of the lyrics is making friends with my sadness. Three years of therapy still hasn't got me right. I still wake up crying on the floor, but it go, but it actually is a happy song because it's like, you know what? It's about accepting yourself for being who you are and this being a part of what the experience is. And you make friends with your sadness so that you can now cope and accommodate yourself through it. That's what I take out of it. I, I do have one little tidbit of advice for, for those people that have older kids. Um, I think what I really adore between me and Deviana is our transparency. And not to say that we tell each other everything, but we're very transparent with each other. We're very open. We're very honest with each other. Um, I tell her a lot of things about me and a lot of the things that I've been through because I want her to know me, you know? So I think transparency as well with communication is something that I really encourage. Thank you everyone so much for watching. I hope that you got a nugget of information to take with you on your journey. Lisa, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us on this episode. It was really (laughs) great to have you here. So for viewers, you can find more from Lisa on her Instagram account at consciously Lisa. Or her website, consciouslylisa.com, which you can find in the links down below this video. We will see you all again next week. So tune in and till next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.